The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, guys? Kel Charles Megan Murray here, and you are listening to Girls Talking Boys in partnership with SB Nation. As always, hello. Hello, happy Friday, guys. It is Washington week. It's um, gonna be, I feel like everyone's feeling confident. I am not. Um, but maybe Rhiannon that we have here with us from The Athletic will make it make me feel a little better. Maybe she'll make me feel worse. We're gonna find out together. We, um, we have a treat for you guys. As Meg mentioned, we have a very special guest joining us today. We're going to give you guys a behind-the-scenes look of what's going down in Washington. Rhiannon Walker is joining us today. Rhiannon, welcome to the show. Megan, Kelsey, thank you all for having me. And I, I, I don't know if I'll make you all feel better, but apparently your head coach, he's, he's <laughs> feeling pretty froggy. I, I, I must say, I was like, y'all heard what he said. They're coming straight off the COVID list and back in action. He's back at it again. He's uh, feeling confident. He literally... I see that one. I don't think I've ever seen someone guarantee a win like that before. I was like, oh, so we're just calling shots right now, like on on Thursday. I mean, I'm here for it, I think, but I'm also terrified to put ourselves out there like that, especially in light of like how this team's been playing. But like, you know what? Do what you got to do, right? I mean, you do. Look, I I was in my mind, I was like, if you're going to really lean into it as a Dallas coach, you know who I think of in a situation like this? I know you guys know the answer. Jimmy Johnson, go ahead, just go, f- go full Jimmy Johnson. Yes. Go ahead, say that. Put that. Tell the Dallas Morning News we are going to win against Washington, and you could put that in a three-inch headline. Just put that there. Go ahead, bank on it. Honestly, I kind of love that you said that because I think that that is so spot on. Mike McCarthy in the day, I mean, we knew this when that when the team brought him in and hired him. He's old school, man. Like he is old school mm-hmm. football. Like he is, he is in the trenches, in the mix. He is like, I'm going to, I'm going to call your name and you can go ahead and count it. Go ahead and print that because that's what we're going to do. Like, that's how he like motivates his team. That's how he feels. And honestly, I do feel like he's not far off. If this team comes together and put something on the field that I know they can and should come Sunday, I say should very, um, I, I emphasize should, <laughs> And that's what worries me a little bit is because, I mean, we've seen them be a little overconfident this year already. Um, Not only is it headline material, it's also bulletin board material. 
So uh, how do you think the uh, the locker room over in uh, DC is going to react to that news? <laughs> you know what? I wish I had a, what's the face that I had finished? Well, Ron doesn't talk today. So Ron is the one that you really want to hear from in a situation like that. So that's tomorrow's press conference. I will be very interested to see what he has to say about that particular statement. But in terms of the locker room, look, look Washington is going in, in with really in their mind, nothing to lose. They were left for dead before the bye week, right? Now they're on this four game winning streak and that's, and I don't want anyone to say like, well, they have nothing to lose, but like they're in the playoff on like, no, I mean, in the sense of like coming into this, this was something like just a few weeks ago, people didn't think that they were going to be in this position at all. And Ron Rivera is very quick to say like, you know, they're, you know, they're Goliath, we're David. But he likes that analogy. He saved that for the Tampa Bay game. They felt very good about that. They beat the defending Super Bowl champions. They did that. They went down to Carolina in a very emotional game. On the road, Cam Newton, homecoming, returned to the Panthers. They beat them there too. Monday Night Football, a place that they have only won three times at home in the last 20-some years. They did that as well too. And now they went out to Las Vegas and they beat the Raiders. And now look at them. Their destiny is very much within their old hands. They feel good. They're playing with house money at this point in time. They're, they are. I mean, they had all these injuries everything else like that the odds were stacked against them just looking at the numbers in terms of the schedule and things of nature but now they're here so Washington's locker room to be frank I don't imagine they're very phased by Mike McCarthy saying that and I mean even he said it's like what am I supposed to say they're not going to win I mean no he's not as the head coach you kind of got to say stuff you got to have some you know bravado and stuff of that nature but this Washington football team has rallied. They are not phased by anything. They've lost kickers. <laughs> they had to do two-point conversions because they lost their kickers. They lost their quarterback. Um, their tight end came back, got lost with Logan Thomas, you know, having the serious knee injury and everything else like that. You lose Chase Young. You lose Montez Sweat. And they just keep going. This yeah. four-game winning streak is in spite of all these things that have happened to them. Yeah. And so there's Mike McCarthy saying that coming up here to D.C., that's not going to face them at all. Um, they're ready to play. They're ready to tussle. And the fact of the matter is, is that if they beat Dallas from here on out, I mean, they can afford to at least lose one more game, but they've really put themselves in the driver's seat again to even not just get into the playoffs, but possibly be the first team since the Eagles 2003, 2004, excuse me, 2001, 2003, um, and four to win back-to-back NFC championships. So yeah. they feel good about themselves. They feel great about those. They, have, they literally have nothing to lose in this regard. Dallas is the one with the pressure, not them. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong because at the end of the day, if you look at the standings right now, I mean, they're only two behind uh, in the NFC East. And with this long final stretch for the Cowboys, at least it's very NFC and East and division heavy for them. And let me tell you that can go downhill quickly. I never like guaranteeing any game, first of all, but especially games against rivalry teams like Eagles, Washington giants, throw the records out the window. These teams play different when they play each other. Like it's just, it's just Mm -hmm. a different animal. Like you can't possibly apply the same rules because it's not, it's not the same type of playing field. I do want to talk to you though, about like you mentioned, there's so many points in in the middle of this season right now, people are talking about it's a game of attrition. Well, the Mm -hmm. Cowboys have definitely had their fair share of injuries, but Washington to me, I look at them, you mentioned it just now. It's unbelievable what they've overcome Logan Thomas, I mean, I, I have to imagine the Chase Young one, losing your quarterback and then Chase Young, and I mean, all of that is really awful. The Chase Young one, I hurt for y'all on that one or for the team rather. And, and, but the Logan Thomas, I, how much is that going to impact locker room? Like, really? Like, I know that it's an uphill battle and they're warriors and they're fighting through, but it, it feels like he's just such, dare I say, kind of one of the heartbeats of, of this offense at least. No, that's without question. And the thing I, I would say that 
in general, if he had been playing throughout the season before, like he could keep in mind, he had the hamstring injury in the Atlanta Falcons game. So they really just got him back um, for that Seahawks game. That was the first time he played since week four when he injured himself in that game. And so the team has been figuring out. And when I say that they've been winning in spite of all the things that have happened, Logan Thomas is one of the heartbeats of the team. There's a reason that Ron Rivera made him the second player that he's assigned to a long-term extension on this team. He, you know, he didn't want to do that with Quinn Dunbar when he first came in. He didn't want to do it with Trent Williams, traded both of them away. But he decided Jonathan Allen, Logan Thomas, these are going to be the first two guys while I'm the head coach here that are going to be his long-term extensions. The reason why is because they embody what this team is about. They're very tough. They're hardworking. They let their actions speak for themselves. And that's what you miss with Logan Thomas. He's smart. He's very cerebral. Um, and he's a great teacher. Uh, that's one of the stories I talked about a very long time ago. It's just that Ron Rivera, when he came in, he did his press conference. He says, I wanted a coaching staff that is aligned with teachers, people that understand how to teach the game the right way, the fundamentals, the, un, like the all the intricacies of it. But in addition to all that, he got players that help aid in that regard too. So when Logan Thomas went down initially, well, guess what? One of the stories I did um, not too long ago was about Eric Dickerson, his cousins with Ricky Seals Jones, the backup tight end here in Washington. And Ricky Seals Jones started stepping up. He's having He was having a racing before he had a hip injury and everything else like that. And then when he went down, John Bates, the fourth round pick, he was, he stepped up as well too. He actually hit one of the highest grades um, by PFF last week playing against Las Vegas. His run blocking is exceptional. He's starting to really get into a rhythm in the passing game. Matter of fact, uh, I did a feature on him and I think he's caught all of his targets so far this season. Um, He's not dropped any passes thrown his way. He's a reliable target for Taylor Heineke. And he had the huge fourth and three catch in Carolina that helped them win that game, especially. So I say all this to say that they have dealt with injuries all season long. Chase, losing Chase Young was huge. Losing, losing Montez Sweat was huge. And I, again, I imagine when the team was two and six, like losing those two guys, again, people thought they were dead in the water, which is understandable because on paper, you lose your real, really good tight, excuse me, your really good defensive ends or great defensive ends, Pro Bowl defensive end. You shouldn't be good, right? Right. But the team has rallied. They have guys behind them that are very hardworking. They just do the right things. They do their assignment. They don't do much more than that. And they have enough talent still there where if you just do what you're coached up to do, that's going to win you the game. Believe it or not, that that happens sometimes. And that's what's happening right now behind Logan Thomas is that they actually, Ricky Seals Jones, a possibility he'll come back for this game. Um, and then John Bates, he's still playing. They have Samus Reyes. Um, they have to mark Hemingway as well, too. You know, they need a third tight end, fourth tight end, whatever have you. But guys have just stepped up. And that's really been a, a big part of the story is that this team just refused to be bullied. They they had to do it last year, too. But they, and they made it. They made the turnaround happen. They were two and seven. They went five and two down the stretch so that they could get into the playoffs. And they're trying to do that all right now. And really, Dallas, I, I look at what Mike McCarthy said about the win. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself. This this run looks very much like the 2012 run. Um, and you ladies really? remember, yeah, if like you think about it, that team was, I believe they were three and six at you the time the they went to the bottom. Who has said this? I need you to know that. I have heard this again. So I'm interested. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Please dive in. No, 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 you're fine. You're fine. The thing about that was the RG3 season. That was his rookie season. Remember yeah. that? And yeah. they had to beat Dallas in the final game in order to either Dallas is going to win the game and go to the NFC champ, or be the NFC champion, or it was going to be Washington. They came in D.C. and they lost. So, I mean, I I love history. I love it because it repeats itself. And I'm just looking at I'm looking at the momentum. Um, I know that the Cowboys just won last week. I know that they had the tough outing the week before that with Las Vegas and things of that nature. I'm just I don't think this is going to be as definitely not going to be a blow. I don't foresee that. I think it's going to be a very tightly contested game. And this is one where I just think the team that is hungriest is going to win the game. And Washington, they've been fighting and scrapping for the last 
few weeks at this point in time. Dallas, I think, I think they just have more pressure. People expect them to be good, right? Like that's the thing. Like they they ran away with the division. I think what was they had a six game winning streak at one point during the season. Yeah. Um, and now things have started. Like things have seemed to fall apart a little bit for the Cowboys. I think there's just a little bit more pressure on them to do the right things to win this game because in theory they're supposed to be the team that's supposed to be still running away with this division and stuff like that. Washington's not supposed to be in the picture whatsoever, but yet here they are, ladies. It's funny. So when I talk about hiring people and people mm-hmm. that I want on my team, and I have to imagine that these are mindsets that you look at when you're in the middle of a season, a tough season, like with both these teams right now, at least have, have endured at one point or another. I want people on my team that hate to lose more than they like to win. And that's a really weird way to put it, but it's like when you have nothing else around you and you have to really dig deep and get scrappy, you want the people that are motivated by not losing versus the people are just here to reap the benefits of a victory. Right. And I I feel like if I were to say, I don't want to say the Cowboys don't have that mentality, but it feels like Washington has found a way to, to dig deep and get scrappy and be like, Hey, listen, we don't have much but we're going to really figure out how to make lemonade out of these freaking lemons that y'all have just completely tossed away, you know, and, and Dallas, dare I say, has struggled to do that as efficiently at times. I mean, granted, they have had so many injuries. So I don't like guys don't, don't say that I'm like saying that they haven't, you know, pulled the things together, but it just feels like in times where they just needed to win or they need to make it happen, or they really need to overcome adversity there was, it was like almost, but not quite there. And so I don't know, like I, it's an interesting perspective to, to hear you talk about how this team has mentally overcome everything that's been thrown their way. Because I think this game at this point in the season, the fact that they're rivals, like they are, and both of the things that these teams are dealing with, it is going to be a very mental game. And that, that part is going to matter. Oh, without question. I think that's the other thing. Washington had to go through a lot last year in Ron Rivera's first season they are mentally fortified like if you think about just just think about what was going on last year and I'm going to try to summarize it very quickly but you have COVID right we everyone had to go through the pandemic everyone had to go through the unrest in the country dealing with systemic racism like as related to George Floyd right but then this team on top of that you have the name change happen in July everything that happened with sexual harassment and and I just want people to know like it's they may have to block it out but the fact of the matter is that they're aware of these things right um, you have the turnover with the team. You have this new coaching staff. You start off the season two and seven. Things are not going great. They're not going well. Um, you know, Alex Smith has come back in the season. He helps the team win. I mean, there's a lot of different things that are going on with this team last year. But this is the same group that went into Heinz Field, a place they had never won at any point since that had been built. They beat the undefeated Steelers on the road. They did a lot of things last year in order to get themselves to the playoffs. So when I say that they're very tough mentally and like soundly, they've been through this before. They're not new to this. They're very true to it. Dallas, I'm just sitting here watching like last year they were decimated by injuries. That's fair, right? That, that's completely fair. This right. year they've had to deal with some injuries as well too. Washington had to deal with that last year. So they're again, like they this is not something that they're unused to. It's just, okay, who's stepping up? Who's going to do what so that they can win the game? It's, it, it's not a second thought. It's not something that requires a lot of mental brain work for them either at this point in time, simply because they've already been through this drill before. And I didn't even mention the fact that their head coach had cancer last year. That was a huge, huge, huge part of what was going on last year yes. during their season. So they had to juggle all of those things happening around the team just in the, in the midst of making that playoff run last year. And then when they got there, they only lost to the Phoenix Super Bowl champions. 
by a touchdown and two point conversion with their with the fourth quarterback that they had starting that season. And that was and I forgot I completely forgot the Dwayne Haskins situation that was going on there. So I mean, there's just oh yeah, there was a lot. Oh, they know how to block out. Yeah, they know how to block things out. They understand like how to stay focused on what it is that they need to be doing, and that's what makes it very interesting for me. And just with this, like I said, with this Cowboys game. I just think it's going to be very tightly contested. I'm just looking at the teams they play that are in the playoff mix and the Cowboys haven't necessarily beat up on any of those teams. And I'm not saying that as, you know, opposition, I'm just saying, you know, look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. They lost. That was a close game, but the Chargers game, that was one was by a field goal, by a field goal. They beat the Patriots on the road, which is impressive. That was by a touchdown in overtime. You know, that's very good. They, you know, beat the Minnesota Vikings by a little bit more than a field goal, but these games are close and this is a division game. I think, you know, Washington fans are excited about this. I think Cowboys fans are probably a little more nervous about this. They they don't want to lose this game. They don't want this game to be close, but and just look- <laughs> Exactly. I'm sorry I'm sorry to say this. I'm sorry for any Cowboys fans who are looking for me to tell them that this game was going to be stress-free or anything else along those lines. I am not here to tell you that. I seriously think that some people are going to really be going through it during this game, you know. So do what you need to do. Um <laughs> You know, find yourself a nice comfy chair to sit down in or something along those lines. You know, find a room where you can scream at the TV by yourself. Whatever you need to do to get comfortable. But just don't think that this is going to be a blowout. I I don't foresee that being the case. So she basically just told us that she already knows us and our audience. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I'll tell you I'll be running around a house. (laughs) Yeah, I will tell you all something that I very rarely ever admit. I will say this in a past life. I told you all that I have family that is outside of the Dallas area. For for in Plano, for the people who are wondering, okay, like, oh yeah, like where exactly is your family? Plano, if you must know. Um, and close to Plano West, if they really want some specifics. I used to be up and down there all the time. But um, I used I used to be I used to be a Cowboys fan in a past life. Well, well before I started covering the league, so people know well before I stopped rooting for the team in 2016. But I will tell you this: the anxiety was not so why if people like how did she know about that player from 2012 well because i was watching it with a vested interest if if for those at home who were wondering why does she know all these things why does she know about jimmy johnson i was born the year of their fourth super bowl that was how my family convinced me that i should be a fan of the team and then they're like oh well your sister was born in 1995 so like that's another reason you should be a fan of the team they're also my favorite color they're always on tv my family had great arguments for a kid these were strong arguments for why i should make my allegiance with this team i'm not kidding with y'all um but this team, man, this, 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 this Cowboys team, but again, just to reinforce, that was a past life. That's an old version of me. I'm no longer a fan of any team. Uh-huh. To be clear, I just, yes. it, 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 the hurt is still there in some places. Like, ooh, y'all were so close. Like uh, 2014 <laughs> with the Des Bryant no catch. Like we could, we could go down the line of some things, but uh, point being is that. Football just, like, I'll never get Just it. find a place to get comfortable. Because if I remember my, I used to, I used to pace. I used to pace in front of the TV. My family don't want to be anywhere near me during the game. Yeah, man. Just get comfortable, y'all. Get real comfortable. Eat, eat your favorite meal before the game. Do that. Yeah, sure. Do what you need to do. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking from the provocative to the technical we're offering insights you won't want to miss so tune in to the future of work a prop pod special sponsored by canva you can find it on the prop pod wherever you get your podcasts 
the, the last meal. No, so then you'll appreciate as a former Cowboys fan that when you started talking about like leadership presence in a locker room, for whatever reason, my mind went to this like podcast I was on years ago when it was literally, I think it was Valley Ranch. It was Valley Ranch for sure it was. And I was thinking about how like we were having an argument one day about like Jeremy Mincy and whether or not he should be on the <laughs> solely for like that veteran presence and like bringing Brian Waters in and like, mm -hmm. oh, it's just like wild, man. Um, anyways, I do want to dive in a bit more though on this defense that you, you know, this Washington football team has, because listen, if we've learned anything this season, I think that it's a matter of stats are amazing and they're great and they serve a purpose, but they're nothing without any color commentary. And so, I mean, again, like this, this Cowboys defense is ranked 27th in the league, but I don't know, maybe it's because I'm in the microcosm of Dallas. Like they've definitely been doing some impressive things with standout players like Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs, but the Washington defense, despite, you know, losing significant players has also had a bit of an awakening. And to me, if I'm looking at storylines for this weekend, um, mm -hmm. you know, Jerry Jones called out this wide receiving core uh, basically <laughs> this week and was kind of like, yeah, you know, the routes aren't where they need to be. And I think that there's a lot of guys talking about, you know, yards after, after catching and how it there's been this defenses have identified that these receivers have had a harder time than usual getting open. And so mm -hmm. they're playing them a little more aggressively. I say all that to ask you, what can mm -hmm. this Cowboys team expect from the Washington football team defensively? And do you think that's going to be an advantage or just a pretty solid matchup all around come Sunday? I think one of the things that changed and I, I really would be remiss if like people, my take, if people take away was like, Oh, I'm saying the team is better without Chase Young or Montez Sweat because I'm not saying that at all. I will simply say that there are players who are step, like I said, stepping up and just playing to whatever the coaches just tell them to do because they don't have the same athletic toolkit that these guys have. So even if something they may not do that's as fundamentally as sound, they can always make up for it simply because they just they're freakish athletes, man. But one of the things that has been a huge difference for this defense is that third down defense. And like you said, they've switched over to playing a lot more in zone. One of the things that Ron Rivera, when Ron Rivera was in Carolina, his teams played zone at a rate higher than any other team in the league that was what that was and I can't remember the specific kind of zone that they played at that time but during his stretch and his tenure that was their thing they tried to bring in they brought in um William Jackson the third he's more of a press man corner now he's finally starting to get comfortable he only I think he only had two targets last week and no catches on him if I remember correctly and wow. this defense one of the biggest things that has been a big switch is that they have shut teams down teams are converting at a rate of 30 percent on third down against Washington's defense whereas before the bye week I think it was about 58 percent if I'm remembering correctly but the point being is that Washington has finally figured out one how to create more pressure um I know sometimes they haven't gotten the sacks you know people will say well they, only, they didn't get any sacks against the they only got one sack against Carolina um and against Vegas but it's like but it's not just about sacks it's also about being in the quarterback's face and forcing them to make rush decisions or not the best decision that they can make creating turnovers that's been another thing that they've done at a higher rate since the bye week as well too and just playing a lot more cohesive staying within their lanes they didn't do that I don't think as well against Vegas but it's something that they have been generally speaking better at not allowing quarterbacks to get outside of the pocket and create anything unnecessary for the defense to deal with but those are the big things. So, yes, if you think that Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio haven't noticed the fact that Dallas's receivers are being pressed a lot more and struggling to deal with that and trying to get away from their defensive assignments, you best believe. You better, you better put your bottom dollar on that that way. They, they've seen that. They said, okay, that's, that's a weakness right there. We're going to figure out how to make that work. Um, or, for instance, one of the things 
I think I've noticed some of the people have picked up is that obviously Dak recovering from his injury is just in terms of like trying to put more power into his throw. Obviously everyone knows the mechanics of quarterbacks. Like, you know, you have to put it through, it goes through your legs, like trying to do that. It's not as powerful. So like trying to force him to make some of those tougher throws, maybe not the ones over the middle, but the ones that stretch outside the numbers and things of that nature, just to, just to put a little bit of extra stress on the guy. Um, but those are things that they'll pay attention to. Those are the things that they're going to want to see more of. Don't let him get creative. Don't let him run. We all know Dak Prescott can run the ball, create a first down or whatever the case may be. Don't allow him to do that. Don't let him get comfortable. Sometimes they'll do five defensive linemen too. That's another thing that Washington loves to get into. Um, and especially when you have a guy like Matt Ioannidis who led the team in sacks in 2019, or you have a guy like Jonathan Allen who currently leads the team in sacks with I think it's like six right now, if I remember correctly. And then Deron Payne who's doing his thing in the middle, especially in the run defense. They're ha- they are happy to bring pressure from different angles. Landon Collins coming down, playing in the middle. That's been a big thing as well, too. Moving from moving him from safety more towards the line of scrimmage has been very helpful. Um, I'm sure Cowboys fans will remember last year with Andy Dalton when he got strip sacked and there was a safety because of Landon Collins. Those no, are we, things that we blocked that remember. out. Thank you. Oh, you guys blocked. Oh, my bad. My bad. I'm sorry. 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 We shouldn't talk about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the point being is that they are using. They have found a way to get the most out of their players by putting them in the best position to succeed. That's what they've been doing. And they've been doing it suddenly well. And things have started to click for players. After the bye week, it just seems like the assignments that players were asked to do beforehand, they're really starting to understand the details of what they need to do with that. Or they've been moved into position so that they can better utilize their skill set. Or, for instance, like a rookie like Jamin Davis, who I think Washington fans, like, they look at what Michael Parsons is doing. Like, why isn't he doing, like, what Michael Parsons is doing? Well, look, right. Michael Parsons was was a consummate starter at Penn State. It wasn't a one season that he was, he was a consummate starter. And Cowboys were him all over the field. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, but players are starting to figure it out at the right time right now, which has led to a lot of the success that you all see right now with this Washington football team. And that's what Cowboys fans should expect or concern themselves with about Washington's defense right now. Okay, so I feel like one of the things that Meg has – you know, we've been talking about a lot is uh, the the run game over in Washington. Antonio Gibson's a name we were talking offline before, and she's like, "Well, he scares me." And I, I you know, I would love to, to take a second and to dive into the Washington offense. You've got again, we talked about this Taylor Heineke. This is not the first time that you've seen him in a starting role. He's seeming like he's at least becoming a pretty decent bus driver, so I'll give him that for sure. <laughs> McLaurin's, we all know the ter- scary Terry. He, you know what? I actually have to, he needs a little more respect on his name in my personal opinion. Okay. And Antonio Gibson leading the NFC in rushing, no small feat. Uh, Mm -hmm. I would not have guessed that going into this year in terms of uh, NFC leaders, at least. But then with Logan Thomas out again, like what, how is this offense going to shift and who's going to carry that load that was previously on someone else? Well, so you mentioned Antonio Gibson. Look again, if, if you think Scott Turner and this coaching staff, have not seen the fact that, look, Dallas is having a really hard time with the run defense. That is, and that's one of the other things that has changed. One of the things Ron Rivers said is that when he was at San Diego, was in, with San Diego with Philip Rivers, is that sometimes Philip Rivers' best games were when he had less than 300 yards passing. What would happen, though, is that they also had LaDainian Tomlinson as their running back. LaDainian Tomlinson would have great games, and he would take all the pressure off of Phillip Rivers. He didn't have, he knew he didn't have to do as much, and that's really what's happening with this offense is that Antonio Gibson has heated up. He's had the touches. He's had the yards, yards after yards after contact. All those things have led to the success of this offense and helping them, especially what have they done recently? Ball control. 
What does that mean? They've held the ball and they've had they've had it on the clock. They've been on the clock for a very long time. That is a part of the success and the formula for this Washington offense is that they don't mind if they have to have a particularly long drive. I mean, at some point you worry about making maybe make a mistake. But if I remember correctly, they were leading the league in scoring drives of 10 plus plays or more. I think at this time right now, they either have 10, excuse me, they either, I think it's they have 10 right now at this point in time. Because I remember after uh, the Seahawks game, they had seven, if I remember correctly off the top of my head. But the point being is that they like the long drives. And what does that do? Not only for the offense, but for the defense. The defensive players have said, that gives us a break. We are very well rested by the time that we get back on the field. That's the other part of this equation is that Washington likes to run the ball. They like to run the ball well. They see the Dallas does not defend against it very well. They will gladly do that. And the other thing is, if they get a lead in this game, Cowboys fans, this is where you should get concerned because Scott Turner, will glad he will gladly run play after run play after run play. Washington has had the most third downs of third down and three of or less in the league since the bye week. Run that back, run that back again. Third down and three. Washington leads the league in third downs of, that are less yards than that than that right now. We don't. So, that. I'm just I'm just here to tell you facts. Conversion percentage is like 24. percent That doesn't sound great to me. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying ladies is that part of the reason that they have been able and that was the other thing is that before the bye week they didn't third down and three they didn't know what a third down and three looked like they were dealing with a lot of third and seven third and nine they had they were not converting that at a particularly high rate now what they're doing is that they're running the ball to create shorter distances on third down and they're having a great deal of success it's part of the reason why taylor heineke is getting 77 percent of his throws completed at this point in time it's part of the reason why you see antonio gibson with 358 rushing yards and those three touchdowns as well too that's a big part of this as well. And the other thing is, is that, yes, you lose Logan Thomas, but they get J.D. McKissick back this week, or they might get him back off the concussion protocol because he's their pass catching running back. And he's a huge part of this offense. He does a great deal for them in pass pro passing game and in the running game as well, too. Last year, a majority of his yards actually came in between the tackles, not outside of them. So they get their dynamic duo back, possibly if he comes back. And that's a big deal. Ricky Sills Jones has shown that he can carry the load if Logan Thomas is, is not in a game. Like, that's not a big issue. It's just a matter of, is he healthy enough to go do this? And the other thing to consider is that he's come back home to Texas. Um, I know some people may say that's not a big deal, but players love going back and playing in front of their home, in like in, in front of their sure. home family and stuff like that. So um, he's from Sealy, Texas. I know that's not near Dallas. I know that's closer to Houston. But if you think that they're not going to make that little four-hour drive up the way. Yeah, girl, that ain't far not at all maybe they, they go packing it up but like let's let's make that move um the point is that Washington has players and playmakers in place that can help them in this game they just need to stick to what it is that they've been doing the last few weeks running the ball controlling the clock smart passes Taylor Heineke is still doing those abracadabra who needy like plays um CC Max Crosby last week if you want further proof of that the point being is that he's doing some of those plays where you're just like, how on God's greener theory? How? How? Just make it make sense. But also, he'll do the check down. Why not trust Antonio Gibson? He was a wide receiver in college. Just throw him the ball, play a little patch, like little pass and catch, and let him go do his thing. Get the ball to Terry McLaurin on slant. Let him go. Also, ladies, don't forget, Curtis Samuel is revving up and getting healthy again, too. So, yeah, again, he lose Ogan Thomas, but Curtis Samuel is starting to get back in the mix, and that is something that people should not forget about. They should also account for as well, too. Um, I was trying to go into this show feeling optimistic, and mm. you have sobered me so quickly, um, <laughs> which is great. But I do want to ask you, there's, 
it's a unique situation to be in. Obviously, we know the league likes to you know keep things suspenseful and stack the division games to the end of the year when they can. Well, they did a good job of that, specifically with these two teams. And obviously, the Cowboys and Washington football team play each other twice in the next um, two league weeks, if you will. I guess we'll say three. Um, mm-hmm. Do you see a scenario where it's a split series? Do you think one team can favor and, and, and pull out a sweep? Or, or where's your head out in terms of final outcomes? You know, I love when people ask me, you know, all these other questions you guys have asked me, I or Celia, you have asked me, I'm ready to go. Stats, numbers, all that stuff like that. Who do you think is going to do what? Ooh, yes. Give us the crystal ball answer. Now, now, now you want to, you said you want to feel, now you feel less comfortable. Great. Congratulations. You now have made me feel uncomfortable as well, too. Good, good job, ladies. Ah, oh, man. <laughs> hypothetical situations. I think that they're probably going to split. I don't see either team sweeping the other team this is not last year where Dallas was just completely depleted or anything else like that that's this is not that um I think these teams I think Dallas is the more talented team don't get me wrong I think sometimes they get lazy that's that's when I watch the games it seems that way they don't play up to their potential they don't step on teams next the way that I feel like they should all things considered with the group of players that they have on that team that's just my personal opinion but that's when I watch some of their games and just I'm sometimes underwhelmed watching them. Like you guys should be a lot better than what you all are considering who's on the team. And with Washington, it's kind of like, I, they're just tough. It's an attitude thing. I, I think when you have talent and attitude, like I think if the Cowboys had the attitude that Washington has, they still be running away with this conference right now. I don't think they would have had some of the losses that they've had in recent weeks, but with Washington, it's just, Look, man, it can't get worse than what it is at this point in time. They lost the court. Like, Brian Fitzpatrick got, was lost in the second quarter. You lose Chase Young. You lose Montez Sweat. J.D. McKissick is out with the concussion. Logan Thomas is gone with a hamstring. He comes back. He's back injured again with another with a knee injury. Um, you know, you lose John Bostic, who he was – he is a veteran leader on this team. He was very important to this defense in the way that he was helping the other linebackers come up and understand some of what was happening on the field. Um I just sit there looking at this. I mean, and please don't get me started. They, they're on their fourth center of the year so far. They lose yeah. Chase Rouillet. Tyler Lawson went down. Wes Schweitzer, who was the starting um, right, excuse me, left guard. Yeah, excuse me. What was he doing? Jeez, I'm sorry. It's like Wes Schweitzer was like playing right guard when Brandon Sheriff went out for a few weeks. So that was a thing that he did. Cornelius Lucas was playing on right tackle because Sam uh, Cosme went to the University of Texas. People should be cool about that. Um, yeah. You know, he's, <laughs> I know he's playing for the enemy now, but just saying. Um, but, you know, he's out right now. So, I mean, this, this offensive line is a game of musical chairs. You know, round and round, where we go, where they'll stop, who knows? I, I truly don't know. But they're on the fourth center. And the numbers, on, look at the running numbers. They're better. <laughs> they, like I said, people are doing what they're asked to do. No more, no less. And it's barren success. This team is just tough. Well, they lose a they lose a kicker in the game. They have to go for two point conversions. They know they have to go for two point conversions. The other team knows they have to go for two point conversions. And what do they do, ladies? They go for it. They get it. Those were the deciding points in that game. They just aren't phased by anything. Nothing is throwing them off of their block right now. And that's a very dangerous team to have to deal with. Is one that at this point I don't think they really care. Um, you know what? They'll play you in a parking lot if they want to. Yeah. You mentioned the O line there. Um, what do you see being um, a way that the Dallas Cowboys could take advantage of them um, considering the fact that they have the three horsemen of the apocalypse all together 
in uh, Micah Parsons and D Law and uh, Randy Gregory this week. Is that their name? Greg? I was unaware. I just decided. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, was, I, lo- I love people who use the three horsemen I love that also isn't there something like in the four rooms where they talk about like the four horsemen of like a bad relationship or something like that something along those lines but um so what you all want is enemy intel on how Dallas so in case anybody's listening I feel like I should hold this information just in case like you know maybe it bears fruit and I can get paid for it oh, remember you're a cowboy fan in a past life which is more than you can say for watching in a past life, I've reincarnated, and now I'm indifferent. And you know, it's a good—it's a good life to not be invested because you know why? My stress level is exponentially low. Wow, so, cannot relate. I'm sorry, ladies. <laughs> do Do you enjoy being stressed out? Do you enjoy your palms being sweaty and like yes. you're, you can't eat and standing up and watching? I don't sit. Well, I wasn't sitting when I was watching the game. So standing the entire three hours or however long the games were, it's not fun. It's not I don't fun. Think I know any other way? I'll be totally honest with you. Hey man, look, that's that's a committed fan right there. But okay, we're go- you're going back to the question: What can they do to take advantage of Washington's, you know, offensive line? Basically, um, I would say it's hard to say the weakness. It's not the the places where they've had the most fluctuation, where the starters are not right now, is your center and your right tackle. Now, Cornelius Lucas is very comfortable playing starting minutes at tackle because he did so in part last year, in addition to like doing so when he was in Chicago as well too. So, I mean, it's not new to this by any stretch of imagination. Keith Ismail would be the one where I feel like if Dallas want to take advantage of just the different stuff that's going on with the team in terms of the offensive line, try to bring pressure and things of that nature, the best place to do that would be to do so going up the middle. If they can find some way to create some interior pressure. Now, I know someone's like, well, wait, Brandon Sheriff's in there and Eric Flowers is playing in there as well too. I'm, I'm just telling you what I, what I know, y'all. He was a rookie last year. He was a fifth round pick. Um, he has not played a ton of minutes and he's a little bit more, he's a lot more green than anybody else that they have playing. The point being is that if there was a weakness on this offensive line and I would not, I would not say Charles Little is it. I mean, you're going to have to test the left tackle. It has to happen at some point in time, but the place to go is f- trying to find some way to get some stunts to go up the middle or try to create some confusion for him. Because again, he's still learning this stuff. Um, if I, I'm trying to think of the game he had to come in, I think the game he had to come in was in Seattle. So in the Seattle game. So um, he's still, he's got what a game and some change of experience right now, heading into this big division game as well too. you know, increase the pressure up that particular part of the um, uh, part of the line. And I think that that's where they could find the most success. I think Michael Parsons is an extremely talented and athletic player. I've watched him. And it's scary how quickly he can get to the quarterback. It's also scary how he uses his hands or he uses his strength to get where he wants to go and or finds ways to confuse the opposition into thinking he's going one place versus the other. Um, if he can manage to do that or, def- you know, Demarcus Lawrence getting back, Randy Gregory also being in the mix as well, too, that could bode some success for the Cowboys. Okay, I have one final question. You know they love a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I have one final question for you before we close out. Mm-hmm. Is there an update on any of the name or what the team is going to do in terms of, you know, mascots, logos, all of that? Do you have any idea the timeline for that? The timeline for that is before the draft. There's okay. still, they have a list of names that they've gotten down to, but the exact number, one day it's three, another day it's eight. It truly just depends on the way the wind blows at any given moment in time, but they're not going to announce anything in season though. Um, keep in mind that, you know, with the name change, you have to get, Uniform, the uniforms, logos, everything has to change, right? So that's something that this is going to be a long-term deal, but they want it done before the draft is all, before the draft starts, that's for sure. Okay, love it. All right, my friend. I um, also need to know if they've worked on their plumbing 
because yes. that video goes around a lot. So I just wanted important to questions. You know, we need to know. What was the say that one more time? I thought winning it out a little bit. What's the question? Uh, I just wanted to know if uh, you've heard anything about them working on their plumbing for anyone that's uh, going to the game. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe because it's Dallas week. I, I, I kid, I kid for anybody watching. I kid. <laughs> but it may be because they know they'll have some Cowboys fans in this house. Uh, they may say, you know, yeah, we got the plumbing situation all figured out. Yeah, suites have no <laughs> issues whatsoever. Oh, there was a plumbing issue in a suite that a Cowboys fans had. Oh my God, like we fixed that. Who knew? That's so crazy. Like, what? Oh. Worst stadium in the NFL outside of New Orleans. I said it. Yeah. You don't like New Orleans. You don't really. I mean, New Orleans is fun. It's a, it's a better environment. Washington mm-hmm. is just bad. Garbage. Trash. <laughs> I was, Tell me I was how you really this. feel. <laughs> man, I will say this. It's like I, I appreciate that. That honesty, man. That that hit me right. Listen, there. I will say, I will say this. New Orleans, the thing. I, when you said New Orleans, I was actually laughing in my head because I was like, the thing I have against New Orleans is that they put the press all the way. And I know people are like, who cares about the press? Yep. Oh yeah, we know. Yeah, we know y'all don't right. care. It's fine. They put us in the rafters and they have the AC up there. And for someone who is anemic like myself, I don't like that. Also, right. by the way, New Orleans, y'all are in New Orleans. Why do y'all not have better food in the press box? I don't get right. it. So, better food in the whole state so <laughs> i just i just i have issues and i have qualms and i want them to be heard i know that y'all just play or not y'all the team just played the saints last week so i should have you know entered my gripe last week on your podcast but i'm saying it now that is my big issues with new orleans is that it's cold as i don't know what and the food is just not up to par for the city that we're in i love new orleans i have been there some 12 odd times since 2016 15 excuse me 2015 i love that city i love going there for the food i love the people and everything else like that for the food to be as lackluster in that press box as it is crime ridiculous it's a crime it (laughs) is a crime it is a crime (laughs) we have thoughts i let me just say this i'm not saying that we should start an nfc east podcast or we we might need to start an nfc east podcast just so think of our hot takes i think we should give hot takes up you know what if there's not a podcast that is dedicated to how we evaluate and rank the stadiums and the things that go on in there, I would I would pay money to listen to that. I would. I would enjoy that yes. or at least get the jokes <laughs> off. Like, we all have to go to these different stadiums. We all have to eat the food there and everything else like that. Or I guess if somebody is being a little self-righteous, they won't eat certain food, whatever. But I'm just saying, New Orleans, step your game up. Do better. I expect more from you all. You can do better. You have better food literally around the stadium. The amount of good food options is insane. <laughs> That's she why it's so disappointing. What she said, okay? Mic drop. Boom. <laughs> um, or as the kid, or as the kids say, Bing Bong. There we go. Oh, oh, oh right. There we go. Yes. <laughs> as as the, as the slimes would say. Oh my god! Mm. I want to jump off a cliff just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, my friend, this has been phenomenal. You're incredible. You're amazing. Tell the good people where to find you at a, and some of the fun work you have coming up, they can dig into. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for having me. I appreciate you all. This has been fun for the fans. I hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, for those who did not know, yes, you know, past fan former life. So like, you know, I come with a little bit of credit, you know, whatever the case may be, but if you want to find me, call me beat me reach me if you know kim possible you can follow me on twitter at <laughs> at instant replay which is instant r-h-i play little play on words because my name is Rhiannon. uh also that's for instagram and some of the stories i'm working on so i'm doing a lot more features these days doing a little bit more work in culture as well too but one of my stories i just did about the cincinnati Bengals, joe burrow jacket partnership 
trying to help out the community as well too i got another story that's about the community it's going to be pretty cool as well too it's very deep but you can find all my work at the athletic and again on my social media i'm pretty cool i'm pretty good follow i'm pretty i'm I'm really quiet i will not blow up your timeline i promise that i'm just full of jokes great follow great follow can't uh can't relate to the not blowing people up on social media thing but i am that's kelsey that follow button right now my friend you are phenomenal thank you so much for joining us you'll appreciate this as a cowboys fan in a former life uh, we always end our show with one really important thing um megan tell the good people the words of wisdom we like to leave them with dallas forever philly for never yeah washington you can catch these hands too bing bong, bing <laughs> bong. <laughs> bye guys <laughs>